1: New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts.
4: 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to episode 879 of the pack of day Podcast. And I shouldn't say welcome back to that episode. It's a brand new episode, but welcome back to the Pack-A-Day Podcast, the only place you can get 24-7, 365 day-a-year Packers coverage from several very knowledgeable, some of them handsome, some of them not so much. Uh, Packers analysts, Uh, but today we are here to talk about the Packers-Panthers game. It is directly after uh, this game has ended, and uh, Aaron Rodgers has some sharp words for the offense. We'll get into those in a little bit here, but there is a lot of information to go through here, a lot to unpack with this game. Uh, I'm not particularly in the boat of We'll call it, quote-unquote, panic, as some other Packers fans would be on Twitter. However, uh, I do think that there are some causes for some current concern here uh, and some things to talk about for sure. But, uh, Gage, what is your initial initial impression after watching this game tonight?
2: So my initial impression after watching this game is the same thing that it's been every time that Green Bay has had a win like this over the past few months. I, and I say it every time I talk about it, I want Green Bay to shut it down. I don't like this get to a big lead, and obviously Aaron Rodgers feels felt the same way about this team in the second half. I want you to, once you get a big lead, don't just sit on it. Run the ball well, be play effective. This offense just looked disjointed in the entire second half of the game. You put up over like Aaron Rodgers has under 100 yards in the first half. Oh well, whatever. He was really effective because and the ground game was dominating. Aaron Jones had over 100 yards in the first half. I believe he had. I think, 19 fantasy points, and then he had just five in the second half. You didn't get the running game going consistently. They would have, like, a good run, a good run, and then throw it away with a bad pass. Or they just kept trying to take shots. They weren't. They kept doing this smoke screen nonsense. That works sometimes, but when you call it three times on the same drive, eventually the defense is going to key in on it. So I'm glad Green Bay got the win. I just I need I want to see this team be more consistent from half to half. This isn't because this isn't the first time we've seen Green Bay jump out to a big lead in the first half and then sit on it in the second half and it nearly cost them.
4: I, I don't think that there's much that we should take away from this Panthers team though. Uh, they, they played a good game. They played solid. I think they played exactly as we thought they would play. They played hard. Uh, they played hard. They played safe. They played smart. Uh, they played good football I think Matt Rule has something has something really brewing there in Carolina uh, I mean they've t- they've taken some other really good teams down to the wire this year including the Kansas City Chiefs who many favor the Packers to favor or to uh, to face excuse me in the Super Bowl uh, as the two Super Bowl favorites currently uh, in each conference but uh, the Panthers were a good team I, I think they played well they, they played fundamentally and that Ultimately, they did have enough firepower to really win this game. Uh, I think the defense played well tonight. Uh, and so with that, why don't we jump right into, uh, right into this game breakdown here. Uh, let's start with the offense, though. On the offensive side of the ball, as you mentioned, they were able to run the ball pretty much at will. Uh, they had 195 yards rushing. Uh, that's an average of 7.2 yards per rush. Truly effective, and then we got an A.J. Dillon sighting, and you're like, oh, maybe we'll get some more A.J. Dillon after Jamal Williams went down. Hopefully he's okay, but uh, A.J. Dillon came in and had one carry for 18 yards, and then we didn't see him again. So uh, the enigma that is A.J. Dillon continues, Uh, but Aaron Jones uh, had a return-to-form game. Uh, He he was really efficient today. Obviously 7.2 yards per carry on 195. Most of that is him. Uh, Rodgers had contributed some as well. Uh, to, to the rushing game but uh, overall i mean the offense i think was a little pedestrian in the second half first half was really good i think that the carolina defense was just playing really well uh, i don't know necessarily if there's one one finger that you can point here i think that you have to kind of point multiple i think the wide receivers were getting locked up. I think that the offensive line was struggling on the interior. Devin Bakhtiari was struggling as well at times. I mean, there were times where he was locking down Brian Burns, and then there was the next play he was getting beat by Brian Burns. It was a good matchup all night long, uh, but the offensive line overall struggled this this evening, and uh, it honestly affected the entire passing game. In in a situation where the Packers have had ample time to pass the ball all year long, uh, this was not one of those nights, and it really showed.
2: Yeah, Aaron, er, Aaron Rodgers took five sacks on the night. That's more than he's had all year. Er, yeah, yeah, because the previous high was the uh, the Bucks game, obviously, where they had four. So they had five sacks, five quarterback hits. Like you said, Brian Burns had a great night, which Brian Burns is a great player. Uh, there were a couple of coverage sacks in there, but there was also a couple. Lucas Patrick was just getting beat up. Derek Brown looked like every bit of the seventh overall pick tonight because he – Took Lucas Patrick out behind the woodshed and just let him let him have it, and and that's a rarity because Patrick has played very well all season. I was kind of, I'm kind of confused why they're going with this five man rotation of shifting Patrick over from right guard to left guard, Turner to right tackle or right guard and Wagner to right tackle. I'm not I'm not really sure why they were doing that. I thought that plugging John Brunyon in at left guard seemed to be working well when they did on a couple of occasions. I understand Patrick is what they've been going with recently, but I just – I don't really get it. The offense – like, the, the running thing, it was working great for Aaron Jones. I agree. Why did A.J. Dillon get one carry? Why, and I can understand if A.J. Dillon came in, got the ball, ran 30 yards in the bat, like, backwards, fumbled it, and, like, just handed over a touchdown or something. But he had an 18-yard run on his only touch of the night. What, why? What, what is the point? What, what is the point of this? I just – I don't get I don't understand the usage here. If you're going to give him a touch when Jamal gets hurt, nor, what has it been all year long – or, well, not all year long, but for the majority of the last month or so, it's free Aaron Jones. Okay, you finally freed Aaron Jones, but that was only because Jamal got hurt. So you have A.J. Dillon, who you invested a second-round pick in, who got one carry and ran really well on the one carry he got. I just – I don't get it. I – this offense seems to do – too much at times and it confuses me and I know it confuses and I think it confuses themselves. There were a couple there were a couple occasions where I saw Rogers obviously on the RPO. There was the RPO miscommunication where he where he looked around and Jones wasn't there and the the passing play wasn't there so he just scampered for ten yards. Great, got the first down. That wasn't how that play was designed. That was just broken play and Rogers made a play happen. Then there was another opportunity where it was supposed to be a play action and Roger. It was the Brian Burns sack on the on the final third down for Green Bay. It was supposed to be play action, and Jones wasn't where he was supposed to be. And then uh, so the defense didn't have to honor the play action, and they just cooked and got to Rogers and sacked him for negative fifteen yards or whatever it was. There was a couple of instances where this team just didn't look like they were on the same page, and we and versus the first half. Just everybody was cooking. Everyone was on the same page together. I just don't understand how that happens. You're in week 15, and you're an 11-3 football team. You're, you've been one of the best teams in the NFL all season long, and then you're going to have simple miscommunications like that happening between your starters. It's not like this. That, that's not an A.J. Dillon mistake. That was an Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers issue. How does that happen?
4: I don't know but I mean Aaron Rodgers has some choice words for this offense when he uh, did his post game interview with the NFL Network uh, he, he said that this is not playoff caliber football that this team is playing uh, as of the conclusion of this game this evening uh, he said that they need to clean some things up on the offense execution wise and so you hear it from his mouth especially and you can see it on his face all evening uh, he was very frustrated uh, with the offense he was very frustrated with a lot of things I think it all really started with the Lazard drop on that third down uh, that was a huge drop I mean it was there was that Absolutely no reason why Lazar drops that ball, uh, but he did, and it ended the drive. Uh, and it, the offense kind of continued to spiral downward after that. Uh, and so I don't know if it became a mentality thing at that point. Uh, I don't know if there was a, a, a lack of drive there to really get the offense going and keep that killer mentality uh, like they've had they've had in other games. It's just that they haven't had it consistently uh, within the. The scope of the games. I mean, the, like I said, the Panthers played well. I think that that deserves to be said here. They 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 lost. They ended up losing, but they played well. I think that they they played as well as you could have hoped against a ten and three team. Uh, and this this Carolina team is now four and ten, but they're certainly much better than that. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the recording here, they they have played several teams very well and very close to the very close to
2: the buzzer. Uh, and okay, so, in fact, uh, the Packers today beat the Panthers by more than the Chiefs and Saints combined. Exactly.
4: And so, you know, we talked about it all week. This team, Matt Rule has done a good job. Half of coaching is scheme. The other half is getting your guys to do what they need to do and motivating them. Matt Rule is knocking that second part out of the park. He is getting this team to overperform currently. Uh, Watch out when this team gets some talent. Uh, They're going to be be really good. Matt Rule is doing a great job right now in Carolina. So I don't want to take anything away from Carolina because they played well. And, and there were a couple times when you look downfield, they were just locking up receivers, and that's not something that's really happened for this offense. They've been able to get some guys free uh, uh, quite frequently, and even, even with the lack of talent at wide receiver, which was which was a popular off-season conversation they've still been able to get guys open. Today was a day where it kind of seems like that lack of talent at wide receiver could have hurt them because these guys were not winning one-on-one matchups consistently. Uh, and so then now you're looking at the offense trying to manufacture plays at the line of scrimmage, which Carolina was all over playing with high energy and making plays uh, up up there at the line of scrimmage.
2: Yeah, they were. And that's, like I said, with the whole the screen thing. They kept trying to do these screens to Devontae Adams, and it was weird because I don't know if that was a product of your offensive line not being able to contain the Panthers' defensive line or you're just trying to get Devontae involved or what you're trying to do, but you're not taking deep shots. MBS had one target. It was in the, what, first quarter? Is that when that was, um, the one that he drew the defensive pass interference? Uh,
4: I honestly missed it. There was a brief took okay. of time at the end of the first quarter where I missed, but...
2: Okay, so he had... So MBS had one target in the entire game against a team that... They they're willing to give you the deep ball. That's this whole defense. When I watched it earlier this year, that was what I noticed. They're willing to give you the deep ball, and they have a ton of speed. They can so they can just swarm up front with uh, Jeremy Chin, Shaq Thompson, who's a good athlete, Dante Jackson. Just all their this their whole team is full of athletes on the defensive side of the ball, which is why their defense isn't a traditional scheme. It's just this amorphous blob that just kind of does just plays perfectly because they just go and get aggressive as all hell and Green Bay wasn't taking advantage of those of the deep opportunities that they were gonna get. MBS is gonna run by any of these corners. Alan Lazard is a jump ball threat and can out jump most of these corners. Devontae Adams should be running more than a one yard bubble screen and you're just like kinda hoping that he does something. That's not Get get him on a slant. Get him something. Get him moving forward. Because if you're just expecting him to win on that over and over, this is the type of team that you can't do that against. And good teams are going to make you pay. They're going to watch this game and say, "Huh." So that's what teams. So they can see the Tampa game. They can see the this game here and see what what worked against them, and then they can see the Minnesota game and say, "Okay, if we can keep the ball out of Rogers' hands, and if we play aggressive, swarming defense, we got a shot."
5: 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world, with more total visits than any other job site, according to CompScore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now... This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Term and conditions apply.
4: Yeah, I think you're out of something there, and I think that's why Rodgers was sitting there in the post game interview saying that they need to go back to the drawing board. You know, I'd rather have them win an ugly game like this and come to that realization than them lose a game that they can't come back from, i.e., a playoff game, and then say, we need to come back to the drawing board for 2021. So it's okay to have these types of games in season. It makes you realize that you're not invincible, it makes you realize that you're going to have to make adjustments on the fly. Not saying this team hasn't done that. But sometimes, you know, these teams just have to have these eye-opening games. Uh, and and I would rather have one of these games uh, where they win by uh, score. They win by a full score here of eight points. Uh, and so in regards to that offense, we'll talk about this last piece here before we move on to the defense. Uh, Jamal Williams left this game. Was a, it was an ankle injury, correct? Quad injury. Quad injury, sorry. He left this game rather early, though. Uh, do you think that there was a ripple effect from him leaving this game uh, and the lack of pass protection that they would have had from the running back position? Do you think that's something that they would have possibly turned to in the absence of Lucas Patrick not playing well, play Jamal Williams a little bit more, get him involved in the pass protection, and possibly rectify the passing game in that way?
2: I think that that was probably part of it, but at the same time, there was a lot of coverage sacks tonight. There was five sacks total. And I think at least three of those were coverage sacks. Just the team wasn't getting open. So yeah, you can say, oh well, the 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 Lucas Patrick and the offensive line wasn't performing up to the standard that they've set all year. That's true, but at the same time, just they weren't like they just this whole team wasn't getting open. Like you said it, they weren't getting open. There was instances where Lazard's covered, MBS covered. There was multiple sacks where we they pan over the field, see like, oh look. Rodgers doesn't have anybody to throw to. And that's when the whole, see, it's like they should have drafted a a wide receiver instead of a quarterback, whatever. This, yeah, so I think that the Williams thing would have helped them. But at the same time, I also think that it wasn't enough to say that's the complete problem because the the offensive line was getting beat, but the coverage for Carolina tonight was exceptional. And Green Bay wasn't scheming up the plays to take advantage of what Carolina is willing to give you. They were focused on trying to run their offense, and it wasn't. They weren't adapting. So when they were on script early in the game, that was working great. But when they got off script later in the game, just they kept trying. They kept fighting themselves. It looked like they were like, okay, we're going to get into second and manageable, and then we're going to try and just do do whatever we want. And that's not how you need. To, what you need to do is you need to take advantage of what a team's willing to give you. This team isn't willing to give you the short stuff. That's fine. Set up a double move because they're going to be aggressive on that. Because Dante Jackson is an aggressive player. Jeremy Chin's an aggressive player. If you can get Jeremy Chin to one-on-one coverage and set him up with a double move on a guy like MBS or because they'll put him on him because Jeremy's that good of an athlete. If you can get him in that situation, take advantage of his youth and aggressiveness and you'll get and you'll get a completion out of it. Instead, you're going to try and run these screens all game long and these athletes are just going to fly after you. Newsflash. News Tampa Bay, that's the team that beat us early in the season and made us look bad. They have athletes. They're a better defense than this Carolina defense is right now. And this and that team, for all of their struggles, right now, on the offensive side of the ball, they are a better team than Carolina, and they will be the team that wins and beats you in the playoffs. This is similar to San Francisco earlier in the decade when just Green Bay couldn't figure them out. They had the... Tampa has the the running game to keep the ball out of Rogers' hands. They have an aggressive defense that is struggling but has an aggressive defense, have the linebackers to flow sideline to sideline and really take away the short stuff. You have to be able to – you have to push the ball and you have to take advantage of what a team gives you. And I didn't see that tonight.
4: Uh, I think a large part of why the passing game struggled tonight was the play action, which made no sense because the rushing game was so successful this evening. Uh, But a couple Aaron Rodgers tidbits here before we move on to the defense. Uh, Aaron Rodgers called it not consistent winning football tonight. I think we just haven't put together a four-quarter game. We've had some really good stretches. Uh, Tonight was definitely a sinker for the offense, just the third and fourth quarters. Our defense played well. The play of the game was that fumble. And so... uh, the other the last thing that he'll add here is that the Panthers played soft in the secondary, but they could not find a way to get Devonte Adams going in the offense so to me, that indicates that Devonte adams is too much too much of a big part of this offense uh if they can't get him going, then the offense is going to struggle that's what I'm hearing from Aaron rodgers there uh, and that's not I, mean, I I would be inclined to agree with that statement considering what we've seen from this offense uh, in the, in the first uh thirteen weeks of this season, fourteen weeks of this season uh that makes sense to me that Devontae Adams is the key to this offense uh but uh Rodgers has made it abundantly clear that they were going to have to make adjustments this is this is not the winning football that he expects his team to play uh and so i'm i'm looking forward to see how Matt LaFleur makes adjustments moving forward here they have a tough matchup next week against a, a decently decently good Tennessee Titans team uh I, I i say that because they've been up and down all year but they are a they're going to they're going to give the packers a run for their money because they are anti-packers so it's going to be very interesting
2: Yeah, um, Derrick Henry, obviously that's going to be the talking point for er, literally every single news station and every single Packers talk uh, site and every single Packers Twitter writer for the next week. Um, And rightfully so. Derrick Henry is a man on a mission, and this Tennessee Titans uh, offensive staff looks content to ride him into the ground because – He's, he's, he's giving you no reason to think that you can't do that. He's running over everybody. I, obviously, this comes out Sunday. I am thrilled to watch him just just dominate Detroit for four quarters. I think Derrick Henry could come out of today's game against Detroit with 300 yards, which terrifies me for his matchup against Green Bay. I saw an extremely disturbing thing that I've seen every single week. Why does Green Bay's tackling, like, where did your arms go? Did everybody just say, no arm tackling, we're only going to do this shoulder nonsense? That DJ Moore reception that went for 40 yards or whatever it was, that shouldn't have happened. You had three guys there, and all three of them tried to do this shoulder hit nonsense. Wrap up and just take them down. It's not hard. Carolina can do it. Why can't you do it? Why? 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 Why, why is one have thing to, to add about week. that
4: play? Uh, Darnell Savage actually probably saved a touchdown there. I, I think if that is a lot of other players, a lot of other secondary players. That that DJ Moore breaks that off for a touchdown, but Darnell Savage uh, sh- was able to show off his speed on that play and really save the uh, save the touchdown, uh, and maybe even save the game if you're looking at it in that in that perspective. Uh, I, I think the play yeah, was that big.
2: Yeah, the field goal right away, which right? made no sense
4: to me. But
2: well, okay, okay, okay. But for everybody listening, if you didn't, if you weren't following me on Twitter last night, please one, you should because although I'm kind of an idiot, I say some smart things sometimes. When, so i got into a debate quickly with over this topic of why would they kick the field goal it was before the 2 minute warning there was more than there was more than 5 seconds over 2 minutes they only had one timeout left your defense is playing lights out green bay can't move the ball on you so what do you do we're going to go ahead we're going ki- to we're going to kick the field goal right away get that 2 minute warning which gives us an extra timeout and then we have a timeout 2 minute warning we're going to kick the ball out of the end zone, and then we're not just relying on an onside recovery, which is near impossible. Obviously, we know that the rate of recovering an onside kick is extremely the the odds of it are extremely low. You're highly unlikely to do it, and that's so. What they what they did there made sense. If it was under two minutes, they're not doing that. If it's under two minutes, or if they're playing, or if they have less than five seconds left above the two minute warning, I guarantee they go for it. But it made sense when they did it, and it worked out because obviously they got the sack. They got the they got they turned it over. And if it wasn't for a holding penalty, they would have started at the at their own forty yard line. They would have had to go. That, yes, they would have still had to drive sixty yards. But it the, it made sense. It was confusing at first because I was like, why are you doing that? And then, but when I thought about it, it made it made a lot of sense. So I agree with Matt Rule's decision there. What well, what were we talking about right before this? Because I've now forgotten.
4: <laughs> I was transitioning to defense uh, as a whole oh, in okay. the conversation.
2: Yeah, the Darnell Savage thing. Yes, that did save a play, but this the tackling needs to be fixed. There were plays, and this happens every week. Green Bay could have multiple tackles for loss every single game, and they just don't get them. They don't wrap up. They don't. They they play this weird version of. Like they get into the backfield, and they play with their hair on fire. That's great, but then they forget it, and when they get back there, so on the week they had four tackles for loss. Darnell Savage had one, Z had one, Preston Smith had one, and Chris Barnes had one. I think the, but I think that the two for Z and Preston were from their sacks. So uh, really missed Kamal
4: Martin. Oh, they didn't count that as a tackle, did they? No, they so did not. Anyway, which one? Was, uh, which one was Kamal's? The one where he blew up the – he made a really nice play where he scraped down the line uh, and yeah, he blew yeah, through I, the – he blew through the A gap. I think it
2: wasn't a loss. I think it wasn't counted as a loss. That was a great play. I'm going based off of the box score. So they didn't count as a tackle for loss. But this – far too often there's guys getting in the backfield. Kevin King was egregious tonight. This might have been Kevin King's worst game as a pro.
4: It was never going to be a good matchup for him, and that's not necessarily that's not necessarily a compliment to him or anything like that. But these types of receivers, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, none of them fit the type of player that he is. Like I just want to say that right now, it was always a bad matchup for him. Like I, I don't think it was ever fair to expect him to be able to shut them down, and especially when you especially when you put Kevin King in the slot and you're asking him to cover Robbie Anderson on a slant, it's a slant, it's not just not going to happen. And, and that's poor. That's poor scheming up by Mike Pettin.
2: What they uh, putting Kevin King in the slot on Robbie Anderson and putting putting Christian Kirksey in man-to-man coverage on Curtis Samuel.
4: I think that that was not necessarily man coverage. I think that that was a zone coverage, like a deep cover two type thing. It looked like a, it looked like an inverted cover two type thing, and I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that was just the zone responsibility of Kirksey, but I mean, I agree. I don't think I would have put Kirksey in that spot to try and make that play at the end of the game. I mean, it worked out ultimately because Teddy Bridgewater was not able to make that throw. But I mean, that could have been that could have really blown up at Patton's face. And so, do you think Kirksey loses his spot as the guy because obviously he didn't have the green dot tonight? He didn't have the green dot, but I still think he played decently well. I mean, there's a couple of plays where I'm like, man, I really wish you could make that play. But when you look at Chris Barnes and what he can offer and what Kamal Martin can offer, I don't know if what either one of them are offering right now is more than what Christian Kirksey offers.
2: I and mean, I personally think they're better players right now than Christian Kirksey. The way that they're playing in terms of their athleticism, I think that they're better athletically than Christian Kirksey is. Kirksey definitely has a better football mind right now just because he's a veteran and he's got more years of experience but I think Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin with their athleticism and their ability to actually make those plays like if you're going to continue to do this nonsense of putting the linebacker in the in the zone in the middle of the field and trying to cover these drag routes I think they're both better suited to do that than Kirksey is personally I think it's Barnes is the best for that role Martin seems like the for lack of a better term, like the classic thumper type, like obviously that play that he made tonight on the line of scrimmage that could have been a tackle for loss, and I think technically I think it was like a loss of negative one, and just didn't get counted as such on the box score here. I think that's kind of what he does. I just Kirksey just gives me, I just I don't like seeing the like I don't like seeing him in coverage. It, anytime I see him in coverage in general, I get uncomfortable with it. And also Jair on that DJ Moore like play where he like the leak out happened right behind him. That was one of those where his aggressiveness bit him, but it sucks because he had he plays such good football, and it's unfortunate that he doesn't get talked about in the conversation as the as one of the best corners of football this year. Like I was, I, I, I disagree there. I think he is now. I I, 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 think, well, I I well, I was listening to someone talk the other day, and people were saying like, oh, this guy's had a good year, and this guy, and they're talking about guys that are just getting picks. They're like Xavier Howard and. Just JC, all these guys that are getting interceptions, and it's like you guys are just box score scouting. I'm like, go watch Jair play football, and then you'll understand. Like Ben Solak of the Draft Network, who also does stuff for the Eagles, he he watches Jair, and he said, and like he was talking about guys that he would love to take for like a cheap team, and he said Jair would be his CB one in a heartbeat because he's one obviously on a rookie deal, but two, he's just he plays, he can cover anybody at any time. Like that route where he just ran it for Robbie Anderson. If Teddy Bridgewater throws that as a better ball, that's a pick easy for him. So,
3: Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or an overbearing parent screaming words of wisdom from the stands, fewer than 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Whether it be 30 years of Hall of Fame QB play in Green Bay or 30 years of quarterback torture in Chicago, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for watching football. Speaking of the passing game here, the Packers held their opponent
4: under 300 yards passing for the third consecutive week. You know the last time they did that? 2010 Super Bowl season. Exactly. So maybe we are, maybe we're just kind of talking about all this for no reason here. Uh, Packers still were less penalized than the Panthers. Uh, the you know even though the, there were some. Coaching befuddles this week. Uh, I would say that the coaching was not on its top, on its on its a game. Neither was the execution from the players. Uh, the penalties were were not there. Uh, they were they were pretty sound, I think, in a lot of areas. They just there was a lot of mental error a lot, a lot of mental errors on both sides of the ball uh, that led to key plays occurring uh, on both sides of the ball. Uh, so overall, I mean, I think that the defense the defense won this game. and you know what? as long as there's this give and take between the two units, the, the, the defense and the offense, as long as they're not both you know dropping the ball on the same day, uh, then I think this team is gonna be okay because I do think even on a bad day like today, the Pan- the Packers are gonna be able to do enough, against a bad team like the Panthers uh, to win the game if the defense is able to make a play or two like they did tonight. Uh, I do believe that this defense can can be impactful enough to do that like they were last year and the, the offense can do the opposite as well uh, on some weeks so uh, I do believe that that complementary football is there. Uh, I, do, I do also believe it needs some fine tuning uh, and so we're in week what is it 14 now week 15. Week fifteen. Week fifteen. Sorry, I'm losing my, losing count of the games, but we're in week fifteen at this point, and you know these, these you would think that these guys have it under control, but at the same time, NFL teams adjust. These guys are professionals. That's why no uh, no game is a given. Any any given Sunday uh, that that phrase exists for a reason. Uh, the Panthers are gonna play competitively like they, they are professionals uh, and so the Packers are going to have to they're gonna they are going they can not take any game game for granted down the stretch here I don't think they will the last two games uh, but I, I think that this was a an eye-opening game for them a wake-up call if you will to to really make sure that they do keep their foot on the pedal as they move into the playoffs even with that bye week coming up hopefully for for this team
2: I mean, you know why they won the penalty battle, right? It's because Green Bay gets all the calls. We know this. Green Bay gets every penalty call. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Green Bay lose, lost the time of possession by 51 seconds. And it felt like it, the disparity was a lot greater than that, in my opinion. Like, I don't know if, about you, but it felt like Green Bay well, we'd did have to look not at the, have the ball
4: at all. I don't want to look at the half splits,
2: but... I, yeah, I don't. Okay, I don't have the half splits in front of me. I'm just going off with of this. Yeah, it's 3051 to 2909. Uh, that that turnover at the goal line was the ball game right there. The one Absolutely. that 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 made the game. And I immediately tweeted the red zone defense finally gets a stop because for those that have not watched Green Bay this year. They've been terrible at getting stops in the red zone. Have they how many stops did they have? Two. And I think one of them like one of them was this one, and the other one was a team went for it on fourth down because they were in desperation mode. Green Bay just doesn't get stops in the red zone, so it was awesome to see that. But yeah, that was the game. Kevin King getting that getting that recovery was great. The first downs were even, twenty to twenty. So this was another example. Yep, turnover battle, won the game. I just think Green Bay I've seen them put it together on offense, I've seen them put it together on defense. Now I just need now is the time they got to put it together on both sides of the ball. Like you said, it's great that they got to win. That's awesome. Yes, I would rather win ugly in a game that matters than in a game down in the playoffs and then lose and then them not learn this lesson. I think Rodgers Rogers said in just like said in his interview that it's going to be hard to sleep thinking about that second half tonight. And I think we're all going to be kind of that way. Because we've seen how good this offense can be, and especially when we saw the Panthers last, we've seen the Panthers get lit up like on defense. So Green Bay can Green Bay can win and can win a Super Bowl. I legitimately do believe that because I've seen them put it together in all phases. Now is just the time when they gotta iron out these kinks, and they gotta hope that this is the last kink they have all year because. Titans, there won't be room for error, especially for tackling. The tackling team is going to have to go and be on their A game next week, and against Chicago at the end, you got to close the year out strong. If if New Orleans loses tomorrow, yes, you have a little margin for error. But if New Orleans somehow comes out with a win, which is possible now that Drew Brees is back and they're not doing the Taysom Hill gimmick, you you could be in some trouble. So you got to you have you control your destiny to get your first Aaron Rodgers. NFC Championship game at home. The fact that he's played four and has never played at home I thought was astounding. So go out and control your destiny and take care of your business. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Take care of your business and that's how you can make sure that the playoffs go through Lambeau.
4: Absolutely, and that will be a key factor moving into the last couple of weeks here. The Saints have the Chiefs this week on Sunday, so if you're listening to this, they have them on Sunday. And then they have the Vikings next week, so we will be Vikings fans in week 16. Uh, But let's go through our biggest takeaways here before we begin to sign off. I'll start with mine. My biggest takeaway here is the Packers can win ugly, and that's that's an important thing. Uh, The Packers can win ugly. They can run the football if they need to. They can do the things they need to to win the game. Uh, that's something that they struggled with in the past uh, The last couple of years they've been able to kind of find their way to scrap their way to victories uh, And ultimately that's what is going to matter uh, Even when they're not playing their best football They can win the football game And so yes there are things for them to improve Yes there are things for them, th- things for them to work on I think both Aaron Rodgers and this offensive of unit knows that I think Matt LaFleur knows that I think everybody knows it So I don't have any concerns there They won the game tonight and that's all that matters So continue to do that. Continue to take one game at a time and do the best you can. And ultimately, uh, if you keep doing that, you're going to win yourself a Super Bowl. So continue to do what you need to do to win the game at hand, uh, and and,
2: and don't try to press yourself uh, more than you need to. Uh, My biggest takeaway of the game, uh, and this is probably a short-sighted one, but... Lucas Patrick is going to have to get things figured out real fast uh, in the next two weeks. He plays Jeffrey Simmons, who, in my opinion, is probably one of the top five defensive tackles in the game already. The fact that he's played less than sixteen or less than two full years of football, and he's le- he's less than two years removed from a torn ACL, and I can already say that is pretty special. Um, he's a really talented player, and he can eat Lucas Patrick up with no problem next week. Uh, he is the He's probably the best, he's the best player on that Tennessee Titans defense, and if Aaron Rodgers and the group were having struggles against them, the quarterback room and slash the defense in general is a little easier for Tennessee with Tennessee. But the but that but Jeffrey Simmons will have will cause some problems, and then after that, Luke Patrick has to face off against Keen Hicks. So Green Bay and the offensive line need to really get things sorted out. Um, it, I assume Patrick's not getting out of the starting lineup. That's not going to change. Uh, and I don't think he should. Granted, I I really liked the starting five they went with in the games where Lindsley went down with an injury, and they brought in John Runyon. I thought he played really good ball. I think the defense, no, the defense knows what they need to do. I felt like they played a lot of good man coverage. Uh, we talked about it all year. Play man coverage, win games, because these corners like to play that way. And like Tyler said, you're not going to face another team with this recipe of wide receivers again until you play – Kansas City, you're just not. There's no team in the playoffs that's going to do this. Like yeah, people say, Tampa Bay, but Tampa Bay's not this way. Kevin King can go toe to toe with Mike Evans physically. Um, my takeaway is just that this team is a special team. They can win ugly. That's great. I want to see them win pretty. And uh, I think next week is going to be a big barometer for them because there's some teams that can run the ball really effectively in the NFC. So if uh, Derrick Henry comes out and has his game, has his way like we expect, uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to have to put on his MVP hat again. And also, Aaron Rodgers is still the MVP frontrunner. I don't care. If anybody wants to say otherwise, go look at Patrick Mahomes against the Buffalo Bills. He, ha- he had a game just like this. He's also turned the ball over more. Aaron Rodgers is the frontrunner for the MVP. One down game where his team dominated the running game isn't changing that. Absolutely no, it is not. And the last thing I will mention is Adrian Amos had a stellar night. One thing we
4: didn't talk about uh, because there's absolutely no debating it, uh, Adrian Amos had a fantastic night. I think he had three pass breakups. He was all over the place making plays around the line of scrimmage. Uh, that's the type of play that you're getting from him that you did not get from Cla- ha-, ha Clinton Dix. If we go back to two years, the Bears thought they were getting the better safety uh, in Ha Ha Clinton Dix. So well, all I have to say to that is, haha, no, you did not. Uh, so Adrian Amos uh, has been playing some really good football down the stretch here and hopefully he continues to do that because him, Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage playing well in that secondary with how well King has played all year I know he has struggled the last couple games but all all year long King has played well overall and Jair Alexander has had an all pro campaign this year as well Those four guys really gelling together is only going to excel this defense further forward, uh, with Kenny Clark, Zadarius Smith, Rayshon Gary, Preston Smith rushing the quarterback. So I have nothing else to add there, uh, but we'll let you go. So thank you for listening to the Pack a Day podcast today. Uh, this was, this was such a fun game to watch, even though the Packers won by eight points and they're supposed to win by more than eight points uh this was still a fun game to watch because we get football and that we shouldn't forget that we're getting to watch football so with everything that's going on in this world we should be grateful for that fact uh and the fact that football is going to continue to happen here and we get to talk about it and so uh thank you for tuning into the pack of day podcast once again please make sure that you're liking rating and subscribing on any of your podcast listening platforms uh make sure you're leaving feedback for us so we know we can do better uh and as always uh, go pack go
1: the wait is finally over football is back you might not be at a game this year but you can be in on the action at bet online bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season from game spreads and totals to team player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You could get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.